everyone back to the tippy top, well, the 19th floor of Mount Manitoba, where I am here with, well, I, I should introduce myself. I'm Kirk Buckner. I co-own along with the individual, this side of me, <laughs> this side, if you're, if you're watching this, then you can see that I'm pointing. Yes, I'm with Stupid. No. The Wizard of Oz here. There you go. <laughs> Which way did he go? Uh, it's with Evan Nolan. And we own uh, NotInHallOfFame.com, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame, the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, the United States Athletic Hall of Fame, our favorite project. And you can vote on that right now, this spring slash summer soon. Uh, we're going to be making a big announcement on that based on your votes, because you're going to be voting on who is going to be the first class of the United States Athletic Hall of Fame. It is something where pure democracy does work. Mm -hmm. 100%. NotInHallOfFame.com forward slash USA. And uh, we couldn't do this without the support of our fine sponsor, Betstamp. Uh, Betstamp is, uh, hey, if you're betting right now, and now's a pretty good time to bet because it's March Madness. And if you're like me, you need the help of Betstamp. I didn't use all the proper tools, Evan, and I, I lost again because you know what? I, list, I, I, I wanted to be cute and I wanted to bet on oral. Hey, winning was not funny. We bet on oral. This is, this is my shocked face for both of them. Yeah. But I, I really did do that. <laughs> you should have been on a 16 seed that didn't even win its conference title or conference tournament, man. Well, I, I did I did win on, with Princeton. Oh, good. So, I mean, I took that. I mean, it wasn't completely all losses. It's, it's, it's so nice for a school like Princeton just to be all these plucky underdogs who never <laughs> are going to get anywhere like with that degree. But it always feels like the Ivy League winner always gets to the second round. So that's just why I got I did that one. That's, so that's true. I, I did that. I just went with a bunch of other under, underdogs. Either way, but if I would have done everything that I should could have done with that stamp, I could have line shop. I well, I did line shop uh, with my Princeton one. Not that it would have mattered because they won the game. I, I just be, I had them to cover. But uh, if if you are a serious better, even if you're a casual better, this is the thing for you. Uh, you see these commercials every day if you're watching sports. For I, you name you name the betting app, right? Uh, Caesars, uh, Bet Eight Eight Eight, Canada, Cool Bets. Uh, there's more piles upon piles, and you want to make the best bet possible. I'm going to make some bets uh, come the preseason for NFL, and I already know I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down money on each of the of the biggest underdogs on every on every division to win it. Okay. And I'm just gonna line shop, and that's what Betstamp allows you to do. Uh, so Betstamp, so whatever books that you're using, you just put in the bet that you want to do, and you're gonna see all those ones come sort of to life. And a lot of if there's one that's sort of like better, obviously you're gonna take that one because you want to maximize your output. If you're not a great better like me, I suck at it. There's experts who you can follow. If you're great, better like Evan, you, you know, he still might look at some of the experts. But Evan, Evan beating me is sort of like being the nicest guy in prison. It's not that hard. <laughs> I I own you like the Bruins own the Winnipeg Jets. So <laughs> really? Did we have to do that? No, but I felt like it. You anyway, what, any what, other, what's, any what's the promo code? Oh, yes. The promo code is Buck25. Oh, look at that. Buck25. Buck 25, uh, just so that you can help support us and all the fine work that we're doing here. Buck 25, because Buck is, I'm the Buck, and 25 is half my age. <laughs> yes, yes, that is half your age. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's literally half your name and half your age. <laughs> it's not literally half my name. Uh, I guess we'd only have like the top part of the K. 
So that's all. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it's true. Uh, it's like more of the K and the H, but yes, let's not confuse anyone. Buck twenty five with a K. <laughs> Uh, so we do have a bit of Hall of Fame related news. Uh, Anderson Silva yesterday was announced as the next inductee for the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, th there is no one who can dispute this. No. Uh, Anderson I, Silva I know I know nothing about MMA, and I know that this is the correct call. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, so he's going in, uh, in the pioneer wing. I, I don't know how he's not necessarily modern. I still don't quite understand this, but whatever. Uh, he holds still holds the record for 16 consecutive wins in UFC. And that's damn hard to do. Yeah, and he uh, it said he held the middleweight title for mm -hmm. two thousand five hundred and forty-seven days, which also seems like a very hard thing to do. Two thousand six to twenty thirteen. Yeah, he is the the greatest uh, middleweight of all time. Uh, also, probably the owner of the most gruesome injury of all time. Yeah, if, if you sort of saw that happen, I don't need to repeat that here, but I I know it happened. Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. So congratulations to Anderson Silva. This is a, a no-brainer and uh, just an outstanding fighter in every discipline, in every way, shape in the world. Yeah, my only question is, I don't get, so he's like, basically left UFC in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And he's getting inducted. He's 47. I get all that. But how is he like, uh, I a guess. Pioneer? I'm, yeah, pioneer. I don't get how. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Good. I mean, we can't do anything straight straightforward in any of the halls of fame, so well, it's good that, that they took like just a random category. At least it makes more sense than the next hall of fame, okay? Which is the WWE Hall of Fame, which is, is voted on by really nobody, decided on by we think just Vince McMahon. Uh, mm -hmm. Never has a pattern in when they start announcing things. WrestleMania is only two weeks, actually thirteen days from when we're recording this, and we only have two possibilities mm -hmm. uh one time when they did sort of the legacy wing they did it the day of or actually during the ceremony mm -hmm. so you didn't even know that was happening we don't know who else is going in the only thing we know is there's two great ones coming in right winnie yes winnie's here winnie the jet uh and that's ray mysterio jr who is still an active competitor but he's near 50 or is 50 uh most important wrestler i think ever under 200 pounds Okay. I, like I said, wrestling is my thing, but even I know who Rey Mysterio Jr. is, and I have seen him do stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, that's one of those ones. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Colossal Trailblazer still, uh, he's going to probably be, looks like they haven't booked it, but they will. So, he's going to have like a very high profile match against his son. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, a, a LeBron Brawny thing ahead of time, huh? Well, yes, but uh, uh, Brawny didn't go to LeBron's house and then wreck Thanksgiving. And then wreck Christmas. That just happened to be in front of cameras that followed him around. Uh, okay, yeah. Yes. They'll they'll work on that later. That'll be the decision too. That well, that would make well not that the NBA needs any sort of help in marketing. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's what we've got going going on there. Uh Conan, uh one of his best friends, will be inducting him, not Conan the Barbarian. I don't know if you know Conan the wrestler, but Okay, he was pretty big in WCW, and he's a legend in Mexico. Oh, okay. Now, and uh, pretty much the guy who promoted Mysterio because to get into WCW, because when you look at him, all right, I tower over him, and I'm five eight. <laughs> isn't uh, isn't Conan O'Brien in the WWE Hall of Fame? Like celebrity, he is not. Oh, okay, I thought he was. He's not, but you know, I, I no, uh, Drew Carey is for his one appearance. 
Uh, actually, I, I, I will, I will say that someone who should be in, if you want to go, I'm, I'm veering off, but I think of, of all talk shows, Regis Philbin. Mm. It's always he great to the wrestlers. But he, yeah, he did, unfortunately. But but he was always great to the wrestlers. He loved wrestling. Whenever he had the wrestlers on, he actually knew what the hell he was talking about. And he was actually uh, a guest commentator in WrestleMania 7. A lot more qualified than oh. most of the people, most of the celebrities they put in there. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'll take it up with uh, I'll take it up with Vince next time I see him. Okay. Yeah, you do that. How you doing, pal? <laughs> and, the other one... <laughs> and the other one, uh, and we we did a talk beforehand. Uh, who you said you're not familiar with? Uh, that's the great Muda, and as you may have guessed, he's he's from Japan. He is probably one of the most influential wrestlers in terms of style and what you see going on. Uh, he started wrestling in 1984. Never actually wrestled one match in WWE, not one, nothing under their umbrella. But uh, when he was in, he, he was in the American mainstream for a couple from from 1989 to 1991 with WCW. No one ever saw anybody like him, including myself, when I was watching back then. Uh, there was really just phenomenal wrestler, uh, beloved. A lot of WWE fans sort of hoped that at one point he would have just appeared, made one appearance there, and he would have been one of those guys that fans would have known exactly who he was. Mm -hmm. I like how he appeared. So I, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with it, but it also sort of blurs the lines oh. as to how you get in and whatnot. But, I mean, like, he just... No, 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 no. Like, I think the lines are blurred. And what lines? Say, the lines are blurred. You're breaking up here, so I don't know oh. if we're talking over each other. I apologize. Uh, no, good. I was just saying, you were saying that the lines are blurred, but I was saying, like, I don't even know what lines they are. So, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the lines aren't blurred. It's always Vince, Vince will command whatever he feels like. Is yeah, what the exactly. So. But I'm not even sure that Vince even knows who Muda is, because he never seemed to watch any other product other than his own. So, I think sometimes he's just trying to fill a quota. So, he probably said to someone, get me a Japanese guy, pal. And well, Muda's one of the, the the biggest name out there, and he's alive. That helps, you know, because the it does help because there's a lot of people that he could sort of do uh, that did sort of ha compete and j compete for him in some capacity like years ago, uh, but or are they dead or they're not even a name? Muda's a name to the mm -hmm. to the wrestling world, so. Uh, I don't know who's going to be inducting him. Uh, could be Flair, which could be awkward. I don't know. Hopefully, he does this one sober. Why start now? Uh, um, yeah. Well, of course, you're probably thinking I should talk, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the Hall of Fame related news. Anyway, uh, and before we sort of get on to uh, those we've lost, uh, I, I just wanted to like, talk about how much I've been loving the World Baseball Classic. Last time I was ragging, and I meant it, meant every word I said, that how Italy and Israel should not be in there because mm -hmm. it's not really Italians and they're not really Israelis. Definitely not really Israelis. Mm -hmm. But they're they're out, so I don't have to worry about that. And I hated being in that position to have to cheer against those two countries. Hated it. But I did. If you've been watching and... I don't know who has, who hasn't been. This has been a lot of fun. The fans I have been a lot of fun. 
I was just saying, I can tell you, 60% of the population of Puerto Rico has been watching. It's the highest oh, rate okay. of television yeah. programming in the history of the island of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. 60% of television sets in Puerto Rico are watching this. Okay. And I know was, there were 63 million people who watched Japan versus South Korea. Mm-hmm. So this means a lot to these countries, except for the United States. And I'd say I'll throw Canada in there as well, because mm-hmm. like I, I had to beg people to put that on when I was like when I was trying to watch that, like one of the day games against Colombia. Mm-hmm. So it's not ingrained in our DNA, but it means more to the people of the Dominican Republic. You ask them, they'll tell you. The players will say mm-hmm. they'd rather win a WBC than a World Series. Why mm-hmm. does that not translate in the United States? And I think a lot of that is just for issues that we've been talking about, how baseball is just not fun. But these are the guys who are making it fun. You mentioned before that your young son has no interest in baseball. Probably because it seems I, pretty I boring. The games. Yeah. Right. And he's not alone. So like when, when they were talking before about how come there's not a lot of uh, young black kids in, in, into it anymore. It's not that they're not, there's no, there's no de-elevation of, of great African-American uh, black athletes. It's piles of them. They're just doing other things. Because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not cool. But these guys from, from those countries, they make it cool. I like the swagger. Keep this up. Yeah, it mm-hmm. maybe maybe if you're a traditionalist, it sucks. Maybe it's sort of like you always say, like act like you've been there before. But what if you're like Fernando Tatis and you have been there before? You know, mm-hmm. just this is these are the people that are gonna that are going to raise the elevation, and it's gonna be all from non-Americans that will make baseball cool again in the United States. Mm-hmm. My words, if you let them. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole traditionalist way of doing things that mm-hmm. we've had with baseball, like there's a right way to do things. You you prance in my home run, or when you hit a home run, I'm going to drill you with the next pitch. The Bob Gibson way of doing things mm-hmm. has, has its place, I suppose, but needs to go away. And it, it, like, pretty much, and it has been slowly. So, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. So, like, uh, what's the best thing you can do? Strike out, strike this guy out the next time out and then mock him. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk Joey Bats, right? Mm-hmm. But the ultimate bat flip and people talk about how it's not the right way to do things. Like, baseball should not be a joy. It, baseball should not be. Baseball has become accountancy in sports. Mm-hmm. It's where keeping track of numbers in the most boring way possible. Uh, and any joy needs to be sucked out of the game. Like, can you imagine if we had the rules for touchdown celebrations that we had for home run celebrations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, totally. Like, you know, we like I know we have some rules of touchdown celebrations. You can't bring a prop, and I get that that sort of thing. But like that, some of that's some of the best stuff that happens in baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. football. I mean. Like baseball's right. the way. The coolest thing you can do. Is steal a base, get a, hit a home run. Like actually, the coolest, the coolest play in sports, uh, in baseball is probably the trip. Because you're just like they happen so rarely, and you have no idea if this person's going to make it, and it it's super exciting. I guess the inside the park home run would be even more interesting, but there aren't that many of those, right? I like so, stealing home. Yeah, stealing home, like sacrifice. Yeah. They they they've done a bunch of things this year. I'm gonna I'm actually interested to see how this baseball season goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the games are faster with the pitch yeah. clock. Um, of course, we're going to have some problem where someone's going to get strike three and the World Series is going to end that way somehow. And th- so where Dan Shaughnessy is going to pull out the rest of his curly hair. But like... <laughs> he does have uh, a bit of an Art Garfunkel thing going on for him, doesn't he? He... I, Dan Shaughnessy last night asked Jalen Brown if he still supported Kanye West and Jalen Brown refused to answer. And now he's trying to make it a big deal today. Like he's like, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm not going to touch that. And just what's the next question? Like what advantage is it of Jalen Brown answering that question one way or the other during the middle of the season after they lost a tough game to the jazz last night? Like what possible upside is there saying yes or no to eat that question either way. So quote Dean Wormer when he gave Bluto, uh, Bluto his uh, grade point average, zero point zero. Yeah, there's no adventure, but of course now he's making himself a martyr and some great, you know, journalistic person for this stupid. Uh, I, I hate. I, I hate that guy. Great, and I'm not even in Boston. Yeah, he's stupid. He's become like a race baiter. He just has, and like he's he's going out of his way. Jason Tatum missed a basketball game for because he wanted to be there for his son's birthday, right? Mm-hmm. One game out of 82 he missed. He's, he's because he wanted to be there for his son's birthday, and he talked about how he's not committed to the team. His priorities aren't straight, and just like he just does it with every African American player in all the sports, and he needs to stop. Well, anyway, there's, there's there's my there's my smorgasbord right there. Shut, yeah. up, shut up, curly haired boyfriend. Um, where were we well, before? Uh, well, I was just going to say, just just to point that out, because I, I was talking to somebody, uh, just again at my local watering hole. I'll plug that local watering hole. It's called Lake of the Woods, and I'm going to take Evan there. And they've got okay. three locations: one uh, right in downtown Winnipeg, right literally steps from my place, and they allow. And sometimes you might see Winnie because they don't serve food there, so Winnie's allowed to go there, right, Winnie? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And Jasper was the official mascot. Um, but because he was said because he went to go go to drive to Minnesota to see a game and he doesn't he's not really into into basketball that much and he said I don't understand why Harden wasn't playing because they were against Houston mm-hmm. and so I explained sometimes you, you can't think of it like hockey you know the what the big player in in basketball means it have a lot more than the big player in hockey it just does you're you've got eleven people really only seven of them are relevant. And when you're top, you've got to rest your top guy throughout. So Brown probably was already going to get a day rest anyway. This that doesn't bother me based on the modern thinking of resting your players for when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got to do the season maybe too. I don't know. There, there's the old guys are like, we played on uh, with terrible shoes and awful things. Like, yeah, you did. And Would congratulations. Not? These guys don't have to do that anymore. But I hate to tell you. Defense is a lot harder now than it used to be. I know everyone goes with the 80s, but clotheslining is not defense, right? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it is not. But yeah, okay, yeah, so this went a little bit long. I don't know what we've got from WBC to... Uh, Bill Ambeer and... Yeah. Oh, well, all good. But uh, we lost a few people this week. We did. We did. Um, hold on one second here. Oh, by the way, the, who do you have in the, before we get there? How, who do you have in the semifinals? We have Cuba, United States, uh, and then we have today. Uh, uh, Japan, uh, I'd say Cuba, Japan. Cuba, Japan. I mean, I, I'm, I'm cheering. I, I, I don't know who I'm really cheering for. I, I've got no. I don't have any dislike for any of these countries. 
I would I think I'm cheering for the United States because I want I want your country to care more about this tournament. But at the same time, the fact that they don't goes against my rule that whenever my my team, in this case being Canada, is out, I always cheer for the country where it means the most. So who would that be in this case? And I have to say Cuba. Yeah, 100% Cuba. Well, here's so, the thing. I, I No offense to Cuba. I hope the U.S. beats Cuba. Uh, but it would not bother me that much if we lost in the final to Mexico or Japan. And that really? was hanging over our heads because some of these naysayers were like, this is the worst thing ever, which are all white dudes. Uh, our, our, uh, like okay. the couple guys from Barstool just went off on how stupid oh. and everything oh. else this is. Um, I hope that we make it to the finals, and I wouldn't mind if we lost it to one of those countries who could then hold it over our heads that that, that Japan's actually better at baseball in the United States. I, I think this hopefully is opening up a lot of people's eyes in terms of what the Japanese baseball league really is at this point. Um. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, a lot better than high AAA. That was a fair assessment year, uh, years ago. I don't know that that's the case anymore. Right, Winnie? Winnie, did you want to jump in here and say something about Japan's baseball team? No? Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go into this here. Um, sure. That. All right. Uh, so we're going to start with... Sorry, I have too many tabs open. <laughs> okay. uh, so we're going to start with... Um, uh, I'm just going to start with an actor who I really loved in pretty much everything he ever did who died suddenly on St. Patrick's Day, Lance Reddick, mm-hmm. uh, who was in The right Wire. Up. I actually have never seen The Wire all the way through. I've seen parts of it. I've never actually I need That's one of those things I need to do at some point. Uh, but bigger for me was his role as uh, Chief Irving in Bosch, which is a great show. If you guys haven't seen Bosch, I highly recommend it um i've seen i've seen a bit of that when i was at my dad's he really liked that one he was also yeah. in Oz, if i remember correctly uh, yep and john wick and mm-hmm. uh fringe and a whole bunch of other stuff but like he also most recently on my judges of dragon show that i watch and went to go see live mm-hmm. they have uh, a couple of cartoon versions now on on uh, amazon prime and he was the voice of the main bad guy from season two yeah um, i okay i can see yeah yeah, if he didn't become a great actor, he is—he definitely have had voice actor written all over yeah. him. So he—he he was the voice of Thordak the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I—it uh, just—it sucks. There's one of those ones like someone dies. They're like, no, like it said. It said on Twitter's trending, R.I.P. King. I'm like, so who passed away this time? And I was like, Lance Reddick. This has to be some sort of like internet hoaxing. And that was my immediate thought. I right, didn't understand the weapon. Why King? Did he play a role of a king or something, or, or I mean, just people really liked him. I I don't know. Okay. Yeah, and if, sad, for anyone listening, and you, and you think, well, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, you do. Google him. Yeah, and you do. Say like, oh, yeah, you yeah. A hundred percent, you do. Um, yes, for sure. So I, uh, yeah, just one of those ones like that. So, somewhat hurt me physically. Like I felt oh. like pain when mm-hmm. I found out that Lance passed away so maybe because also piece. too like, like I, I don't know how old he was but he sure did 60. he was 60 okay uh built built like a tank you know so like you don't think that there's anything wrong with him uh, not and no. i should like a tank just like he was lean ripped super, super in shape like yeah. looked way younger than he was like jack you're the conspiracy theorist but well speaking of conspiracy theorists 
on the other side of things, uh, another oh. actor passed away. I'll just say Robert Blake died uh, at the age of eighty nine. Um, oh wow! It was it was it was a big day for a big week for murderers, by the way. Uh, also passed <laughs> away. Was, uh, we, they, we had like several serial killers. Nick Calabrese passed away. The guy who brought down the Chicago mob, uh, the hitman for the Chicago mob who brought everyone down, passed away at 80. Uh, and then we have another one we'll cut, when we get to the music section who also passed away. We'll come up to. Um, okay. Also, uh, someone else interesting I thought we should bring up, Gloria D passed away. Uh, she was the first ever magician to perform in the Las Vegas Strip. Oh. Uh, in 19... 19- at, at 1941, at the age of 19, which is kind of interesting. Uh, she then went on to be in a whole bunch of B movies, uh, such as, um, uh, such as uh, King of the Congos, uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space, and a few other things like that. She's the only; she was the first person to both perform on uh, the strip and have her SAG after card. As well, but she passed away at the age of one hundred. Wow! So, but she also, had stories. Yeah, also passing away at the age of one hundred uh, was Burt Gordon. Speaking of B movies, uh, the guy who created King Dinosaur, The Amazing Colossal Man, Earth vs. the Spider, Village of the Giant, Empire of the Ants. Basically, if you've watched Mystery Science Three Thousand, you are a fan of Burt Gordon's stuff. At least the people <laughs> talk. Uh, he also passed away at the age of 100. Um, from the world, uh, uh, one other person I missed last week, uh, Ian Falconer also passed away. If you have any kids and you know the Olivia book series, the Olivia the Pig, uh, mm-hmm. he was the creator and illustrator of those. He was 63. Um, from wrestling, Jeff Gaylord. I'll leave that to you. He was 64. Yeah, uh, I, he, I know he wrestled a lot in the early 90s and the mid in the in the Tennessee Dallas area, uh, looked like somebody who probably should have made it because he was pretty big, mm-hmm. uh, like in terms of size. But uh, had I, I think he had like one WWE match where he was under a mask as one of Shawn Michaels' knights in yeah, Survivor Series. Exactly. Yes, uh, that was it. Uh, for whatever reason, I guess they weren't that impressed. Didn't. It was it was it was a weird angle because Shawn Michaels substituted for Jerry Lawler, I believe, because he was accused of uh, being with a thirteen-year-old. Oh, good. Which he eventually got off of, but I, I don't know. Uh, when when Jerry Lawler passes away, there's going to be a lot of things, a lot of mud slung. Mm. It's like, I I can't say that it's not complete, and some of it might we might hear shit that, but anyway, I, I, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, just one of those big guys who I thought would have got a look but never did. Yeah. Yeah. And then towards the end, he fell on to robbing banks in Colorado. So Oh, I didn't know that. Had some time in jail for that. Did did he use his black knight mask? Uh I do not see that. <laughs> he robbed a bank in Aurora, Colorado in October twenty twenty one. Sorry, twenty two thousand one, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Of five thousand dollars. And he robbed the same bank in February. Uh, but he parked right in front and they got his license plate number. Wrestlers uh, are really stupid when it comes <laughs> to robbing banks. There is this uh, hardcore wrestler guy named Nick Gage. He robbed a bank. But as he always would walk to the ring with a bandana, you know, like a like there. Yeah, he decided not to do that this time. 
So, but he knew he was going to get caught. He just took the money he had, just went to Atlantic City, blew it, then blew it all, then turned himself in. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you do it for the experience. Um, sure. Pass. Uh, I don't need it. Um, so we have uh, get we're into the Olympian section this week. Oh, by the way, the uh, Beijing Mr. are quiet this week. So. Okay, good, good. Uh, Hungarian athletes slept soundly. Um, but for uh, Olympic athletes, we'll start with Amy Fuller, American rower, three-time Olympian, and one-time world record holder. Uh, finalist for the James E. Sullivan Award, we've talked about a bunch back in 1995. Um, she was finished uh, with a silver medal in Barcelona, um, but competed in 92, 96, and 2000. Um, uh, I passed away from breast cancer at the age of 54. Mm. Uh, also passing away uh, at the age of 81, Kevin Freeman, an American equestrian who was at 64, 68, and 72, uh, won silvers in all three uh, Olympics in team eventing. So Tokyo, Mexico City, Munich. He also won a gold in the uh, 1963 um, Pan American Games. Uh, yeah, but he passed away at the age of 81. Uh, also, modern pentathlete, also passed away at the age of 100, uh, Guy Troy, who competed in the 1952 Summer Olympics, uh, passed away at the age of 100, uh, graduated the Marine Corps, spent his time in, uh, graduated in 1946, just missed World War II, and then went into be doing all those weird events that you do at the pentathlon. Uh, yeah, he was 100 years old. Uh, but most importantly, I'd say from uh, actually probably legendary out of the Olymp Olympics, uh, Dick Fosbury passed away. Yeah. Uh, Inventor of the Fosbury flop. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people just hear that name, but they don't quite know why. But mm -hmm. prior to prior to Fosbury, every, when, you, when they were doing the high jump, they were just trying to literally just run over top of it like you're running over a tackler. Yeah, and it started with hurdling, and then sometimes they do like a jump front flip thing. I watched like a when he passed away, there was a video on uh, YouTube of like the record jumps from each Olympics, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, that's, all right, that's impressive but stupid way of getting over. And like, and Fosbury came up, and you can see the first time he did it, one of the judges in the background just opens his mouth like. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe a, he cleared it and be the way he was doing it. So there are very few people who have ever legitimately outright changed their sport. Dick Fosbury 100% changed his sport and changed it literally 100%. Change it one night, or at least, at least, uh, I don't know if you go 180 one way and then 180 the other, 90 degrees the other way, is that 270? I'm not quite sure how that works in three dimensions. Well, that's that's well, how he contorted his body. It was. Amazing that no one ever did this before. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, we competed in 68, I believe, right? 68, correct. Won the gold medal in the high jump in 68. Yeah. He, he's someone who uh, definitely will be considering in the future for the U.S. Hall. 100%. Yeah. He's, he's got to be up there going there. I uh, actually was most recently serving as, uh, as the, Blaine County Commissioner in Blaine County, Idaho, mm. when he passed away. 
Um, but he passed away at the age. He's a member of the National Track and Field Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he passed away at the age of uh, 96. Uh, sorry, 76, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, from the world, we'll go through music now. Uh, first one, I told you we had a lot of people kill people. Uh, Jim Gordon passed away. Uh, Jim Gordon at the age of 77, best known for his work as a uh, session drummer in the 60s, but was a drummer for Derek and Domino's and, and co-wrote Layla with Eric Clapton. Um, he was also worked with, uh, he was also the drummer in I Am Woman, uh, by Helen Reddy, uh, worked, he was on the, was on the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, uh, album, uh, Notorious Bird Brothers by the Birds, Classical Gas with Mason Williams, like, and a whole bunch of stuff you know. Unfortunately, he developed schizophrenia and stabbed his mother to death with a kitchen knife. Uh, and spent the last part of his life in jail. He refused to show up for he they, he he pled insanity, but the California had changed their insanity laws, so you couldn't actually plead it uh, at the time. So he ended up with a life sentence and stopped showing up for the the uh, parole hearings, not wanting to be paroled. Mm. Uh, but he passed away at the age of seventy seven. Mm. Uh, also passing away, Simon Emerson, the founding member of uh, Afro Silt Sound System, their main singer. Uh, Afro Silt Sound System, best known for their song "When You're Falling," uh, which Peter Gabriel actually sang the lead on. Uh, he passed away uh, at the age of 67, um, one day after his birthday. Uh, but one of the Celtic a- African jazz fusion type groups, uh, pretty much. Pretty much what Peter Gabriel believes in for his backing band. That's what uh, Afro, uh, that's mm-hmm. what Afro Celt Sound System was. Uh, but he was 67. Also, one of the few people who was considered himself to be a druid, which oh. was interesting. like a he was like one with nature and had you know whatever nature whatever powers, which I guess makes sense based on what he was doing. So, um. Also passing away, uh, Gerald Lawrence Samuels, better known as Napoleon the Fourteenth. He had a one-hit wonder, oh. top five hit with "They're Coming to Take Me Away." Ha ha. He ha ha. Funny farm, yes. That one, yes. Uh, he uh, in nineteen sixty-six, he also wrote "The Shelter of Your Arms," which is a top twenty hit for Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, he passed away at the age of eighty-four. Uh, we also lost Junior English, uh, the reggae artist uh, based out of both Kingston and and, uh, and uh, London. Uh, he passed away either at the age of 71 or 72. They don't actually, he never actually knew where his birth certificate was and nobody was quite sure. It's like okay. literally says that. Uh, so he's either 71 or 72 years old. And then we lost two pretty big names um, from, from uh, Music This Week. We'll start with Bobby Caldwell. Uh, who is a uh, singer, Next Time I Fall, which he wrote for by uh, Amy Grant and Peter Cetera. Uh, he's one of the most sampled artists out there by hip-hop and R&B artists. Um, there was a huge outpouring when he passed away. He did What What You Won't Do for Love, which is, of course, the first version of Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Um, just kidding. Uh, but he had a whole bunch of Hits from 76 through like mid 80s, um, including Take Me, I'll Follow You from the Mac and Me found soundtrack. If you ever saw Mac and Me, 
Uh, yeah, just uh, one of the kind of American standard songbook singers uh, passed away at the age of uh, 71. There was a huge outpouring on Twitter when he passed. Uh, Blue-eyed soul, American songbook type guy. Uh, and then the one that affected me the most in music this week, uh, Fuzzy Haskins died. Uh, the original singer of a little doo-wop group called The Parliaments, you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, whose record label went under and then they uh, stopped wearing suits and started wearing whatever the hell they wanted. Got a backing band called The Funkadelic mm -hmm. and became uh, P-Funk. So Fuzzy uh, Haskins, best known for wearing... Uh, I guess I will say mesh covering on his, on like almost mesh overalls <laughs> on stage. Best way to say it. Um, it's just funny to think that the uh, uh, George Clinton, the P Funk All Stars, or Parliament Funkadelic, started as a barbershop quintet in in Plainfield, New Jersey. Um, but yes, he Fuzzy Haskins was the original lead singer of that group and was with the group uh, from 50, 1955 through what do you believe? I think seventy. Uh, 78 he left 77 at the height of their thing he went to do a solo career he was inducted with 15 other members of Parliament Funkadelic back in 97 uh, got a lifetime achievement award from the Grammys in 2019 um, but yeah so uh, one of the I, I still say the great single greatest concert I ever saw was George Clinton the P-Funk All-Stars at Bender Arena in uh, the American at American University in probably March of ninety seven. You know, March this before that concert. Yeah. What? You, yeah, you, you've mentioned that concert before. That, that, those guys are so freaking good at everything they do. Like every single person up there is a virtuoso. It's absolutely insane how good that band is. We watch them live. Um, but yeah, so Fuzzy Clarence Eugene Haskins, Fuzzy Haskins. Has passed away at the age of 81. Uh, from golf, we lost Jim Faree, uh, who is at the age of 91. He was a one-time winner on the PGA Tour, two times on the Champions Tour. More interestingly, he's the logo. Uh, oh. So the the uh, senior tour has the logo of the guy in the knickers. Yeah. That is Jim Faree. Okay. Um, so he won right. the... He won, PJ Tour, he won the 1958 Vancouver Open Invitational by one stroke over Billy Casper. Uh, so he won 86, the Greater Grand Rapids Open, and 91, the Bell Atlantic Classic over Jim Colbert and Lee Trevino, by the way. Uh, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 91. Uh, from basketball, uh, we lost Felton Spencer at the age of 55. Uh, sixth pick overall in the 1990 draft, the Derek Coleman draft. Um, played from 90 to 2002 with the T-Wolves, Jazz, Magic Warriors, Spurs, and Knicks. Second team, All-NBA as a rookie. Um, only scored about 5.2 points a game in his career. One of the guys who shares my birthday, he's, uh, was exactly one year, uh, sorry, 11 years older than me. Um, yeah, but a kind of a interesting guy to watch, both in high school and in college. 12-year careers. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, 12 of your career is nothing to sneeze at. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, so played at the University of Louisville, was the heir apparent to Purvis, never nervous Ellison. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh 
just one of those ones like, oh, Felton Spencer, that's too young. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, have, we only have baseball and football left to go. So, baseball, uh, the youngest of the f- first trio of the Alus, Jesus Alou, passed away at the age of 80. Uh, younger brother Felipe and Matty uh, played for the from 63 to 79 for the Giants, Astros, A's, uh, Mets, and Astros again. Two time World Series champion with the A's in 73 and 74. Uh, he was awarded the Hispanic Heritage Baseball Museum Hall of Fame Pioneer Award back in 2008. Um, served after he retired as a scout for the Expos and Marlins and then with the Red Sox from 02 through 2017. Um, and had been a ambassador to the U.S. Uh, to the Red Sox International Scouting uh, Department uh, through 2020. But he passed away at the age of 80. That Lou family did pretty well for themselves in baseball. Very much so. Um, and then passing away, uh, Joe Pepitone passed away at the age of 82. Uh, one of those guys better known for his name and the team's design probably than his overall mm-hmm. uh, ability. Uh, but he played 62 to through 73 for the Yankees, Astros, Cubs, Braves, and then played one season with the Yakult Adams out in uh, Japan. Remember the 62 uh, World Series Yankees team, all-star from 63 to 65, three-time Gold Glover. Um, did he broadcast too, I think? I did think he did. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, was shot, had a really bad week when he was 17. So in 1957, one of his teammates or classmates shot him while at school, and then his father died of a stroke at the age of 39. On the Jesus. same week. Yeah. Um yeah, he uh uh so uh he was also the minor league hitting coach with the Yankees, uh, uh and was hitting coach for them in eighty two. And then uh uh he, he also he was arrested at some point. Uh oh yeah, he was arrested. They he and uh two other men ran a red light, were stopped by police and found nine ounces of coke. 344 Quaaludes, a free basic kit, a pistol, and $6,300 of cash. Uh, but spent four months in Rikers Island for misdemeanor drug convictions. So, uh, but Pistol's anyway, great last name. Yeah, Pe- Pepitone's one of the best ones. Um, so, apparently, if you read Vol 4, um, I have to read that. I did. I remember him from that because uh, Jim Bowton uh, talked that he walked around the whole thing a hair product because he was losing his hair and everything. I feel like Pepitone would be a great name for a hair like, <laughs> product. Yeah. Um, so also one of the uh, founding members of the American Pro Slow, Slow Pitch Softball League hmm. um, from the 70s and into 80s. So, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 82. All right. And finally, we're getting into uh, football. We have uh, some pretty big names here. Uh, Canadian Football Hall of Famer Glenn Weir. Uh, passed away at the age of 71, played with the Montreal Alouettes and the Montreal Concords, which I never even heard of them. I didn't know they were a thing. Uh, well, they changed their name briefly to the Concords for some reason. I, I don't know why. I, I can't remember why. That happened in the early 80s. No, and then they just did yeah. back. Uh, okay. Played in five Great Cups. One, one, two. Was the most valuable player in the Great Cup in 1977. Uh, five-time CFL All-Star and elected in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 2009. Um, 
but he passed away at the age of 71. Uh, from, uh, I will say as a player, but probably better known as an executive, Dick Haley passed away at the age of 85, played the Redskins, Vikings, and Steelers. But after he left the Steelers, he became the director of uh, player personnel for the Steelers from 1971 through 1990, which was a pretty good time to a uh, pretty successful role, I would say, as the director of personnel for the Steelers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, but he was... Uh, Played 75 games and had 14 interceptions as a player, but was four-time Super Bowl champion as an executive with those four Steelers championships in the 70s. So member of the Pittsburgh Hall of Fame. Uh, he was the person who drafted Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster in one draft. <laughs> That's got to be the greatest. I haven't really researched this, but I, I can't imagine there's a better draft from any team ever. I can't imagine it's a better no, I mean four four Hall of Famers in a single draft. There's there are drafts that don't have four Hall of Famers in them. Yeah. So that's very uh, true. Um yeah, so yeah, but he passed away at the age of eighty five. Also the father, Todd Haley, who coached the Chiefs at one point. Uh and then the two biggest names, guy who's been talked about for Hall of Fame but has never made it in, uh, was actually one of the finalists coming into this year, Otis Taylor. Uh, passed away at the age of 80. Remember the Chiefs from 65 to 75, won two AFL championships with them, was AFL championship MVP in 69, uh, won a Super Bowl with them, um, was the uh, AFC Player of the Year according to UPI in 71, two-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, uh, one-time first-team All-AFL, one-time second-team All-AFL. Uh, remember the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame, his numbers have been dwarfed at this point with the explosion of of everything. He's got 410 receptions through 7,300 yards and 57 touchdowns. Uh, but one of those guys who, I mean, the, the Chiefs don't win that Super Bowl without Otis Taylor. Right. Uh, so, go ahead. No, no, I was going to agree with you. Uh, a big name for a lot of people, big big snub, but in the wrong position. Mm -hmm. I think uh, and you hit the nail on the head when you said just his numbers have, have been dwarfed. And if he doesn't become a senior candidate in the next 20 years, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There, and there's so many people they're looking at. They need to see, keep the seniors where they are with the three in order to get this backlog out of there. Mm -hmm. um, but and hopefully they will, but we'll see. And it doesn't help that, um, that the professional football researchers association named him to their hall of very good in 2006 yeah that's a, i don't think that helps anybody no so, i mean I, I get their whole point but and where the, what they were trying to do but maybe that name isn't necessarily the best thing for them if, if that makes any sense mm -hmm. and i'm sure that wasn't their initial intention yeah but so he uh he was actually uh, I do have to bring this up because it was so weird at the time. Uh, do you remember his fight with Jack Del Rio? No, uh, I do not. So in 1987, there was the NFL player strike, and uh, Taylor was a scout for the for the Chiefs at that point, and he'd been retired from the Chiefs since 1975, right? So this is 1997 or 1987, 12 years later, 
Jack Del Rio as a rookie thought that he was a player crossing the picket lines and mm-hmm. jumped him and had to be was pummeling him and had to be separated by fans who are there telling mm-hmm. him that's Otis Taylor. What the hell are you doing? Uh, and uh, Taylor actually pressed charges against Del Rio, and but they settled out of court. I always thought that was an interesting story. No, I didn't um, know about that at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to so you know a little more about Jack of the River there. Uh, but more importantly, I think with with Taylor is that he's had Parkinson's disease for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I guarantee we're going to find out that he had CTE. Uh, I think he, also had, he was also fighting dementia too at the end. I yeah, believe. he had Parkinson's. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 1990. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking what 33 years later at this point, which is terrifying that 1990 was 33 years ago. Right. Uh, but yeah, he passed away, like I said, at the age of 80. I mean, 33 years ago, he was only 47. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. And lastly, uh, the second oldest living pro football Hall of Famer. And the oldest living uh, NBA champion when he passed away, uh, Bud Grant, passed away at the age of 95. Um, played was drafted by both the uh, Eagles and the uh, Minneapolis Lakers. Uh, started as a played two years of Minneapolis Lakers. He was a member of their championship team in 1950. Um, then went. So I didn't want to play basketball anymore because they weren't going to pay him. So he went to play for the Eagles. Um, was a member of their uh, was a member of their nineteen. I'm sorry. Uh, he went, went to play for the Eagles for a couple of years, and he was the first American player ever to uh, still let his contract with the NFL run out and then go to Canada. And he played four years for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or going into coaching. So he's actually a member of both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he was NFL champion in 69, coach of the year in 69, Minnesota Vikings ring of honor, 50 greatest Vikings. Uh, four time, he was also a four-time Grey Cup champion mm-hmm. um, and CFL coach of the year in 1965. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that's where he cut his teeth coaching was up here. Yeah. So yeah, anything to say about Bud Grant? No, just it was a really nice tributes coming out. Uh, RAP coach was uh, the hashtag on Twitter that was sort of going on. That's sort of like a, I was sort of like learning about a lot of passings, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, these days. But no, uh, very much uh, deserving to be a Hall of Famer in both. There's very few that are in both the Canadian and uh, uh, American uh, or not our Pro Football Hall of Fame. So no, just. Uh, <sighs> Couldn't couldn't win the one Super Bowl, but I don't think that's necessarily that wasn't on Bud Grant. Just there was just so much no. talent against him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you know Do you know who the last living person from the nineteen who was born in the nineteen twenties in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is? No, I have no idea. Who's so? It's uh, Marv Levy. Okay. Marv Levy's the last. I, I, the uh, funny thing is. I was just thinking about him because he's also in the Canadian and American. He's also in both. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I thought about doing that. I didn't do it Yeah, because I wasn't sure. But yeah, Mark Levy was born in 1925. Okay. And it's still going. So he's the last one. So, so and that just shows, you just like, that, if you look really old when you're 60, that's that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yes. Steve Martin has been had white hair for as long as I remember. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> 
you must have been all all whites before you turned 30. Maybe. It's entirely possible. Well, I mean, he was mostly already all white when he, when he filmed The Jerk in 1977. True. True. So, just by the way, the oldest, the old 10 oldest remaining Pro Football Hall of Famers are Marv Levy, Joe Schmidt, Gil Brandt, Raymond Berry, Lenny Moore, Sonny Jurgensen, Jerry Kramer, Jim Brown, Chuck Howley, and now Dick Vermeil. So, and then Tom Flores is, is next at 11. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And the youngest, who's the youngest Hall of Famer? Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson, born 1985. Darrell Revis is also born in 85, but Johnson was born in September and Revis in July. So, okay. All right. I got one trivia question, right? So, yeah, I'm we got one. Congratulations. All right. Thank so, you. moving on from dead people, where are we? Uh, we're at the elevator where I look at a weekly thing of who's gone elevator up to make a better Hall of Fame case and who's gone elevator down. Elevator up, elevator down. Uh, if we would have recorded this Thursday like we normally do, I, would, I wouldn't have had anybody on the elevator. But uh, someone entered the elevator going down. Uh, a very successful coach in his own right. But at some point, you've got to get your team to a, into a Final Four if you're going to get into a Basketball Hall of Fame. And that's Matt Painter. Because... Mm -hmm. Again, going to Twitter, Purdue was trending again for the second year in a row. Purdue goes into the number one seed, uh, loses to, I believe it was Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah, so can I take a pause for on Fairleigh Dickinson just for one second? Please. So there are 363 teams in Division One currently, mm -hmm. right? The tallest team in Division One is Purdue. The tallest, okay. The tallest. Mm -hmm. Fairly Dickinson. I told you 363 teams in Division One. What, in terms of height, where do you think Fairly Dickinson ranks out of 363? Well, I'm going to guess it's near at the lower end the way this is sort of going. So I'm going to say 342. 363. Oh, 363. They're the shortest team. <laughs> <laughs> the shortest team. Here's how unlikely it is if Fairly Dickinson gets there. My wife is like, they're not even fully Dickinson. They're just Fairly. Um, <laughs> Okay, can, can I say that your wife wins the pun pun of the week? Yeah, it was it was good. So, okay. um, they didn't win their regular season championship or their conference title, and are still in there as a. How do they how do they qualify then? Because uh, because Massachusetts used to be have teams that were good at basketball, yeah. and we actually do have one who won their division regular season, won their tournament, Merrimack College, which is a new or team in Division One. Yeah. Both, for the second year in a row, won both the regular season and the the title. But there's a rule: you have to wait four years before you can get the, the tournament. So this was know. their fourth year. That's so stupid. they won. Yeah, it's very stupid. But they so they won their their they won the Northeast Conference, which was the worst conference by a lot. This mm -hmm. year, just by the way, they won the Northeast Conference and they won on a last second shot. They won the conference title for the second year's row 67 66 i watched that game uh and fairly, so both teams were celebrating because fairly dickinson already knew there in the uh tournament because mm -hmm. uh whether they won or lost so they be they the first small school not to win either conference title or regular season or tournament get in they had to win the playing game they're literally the 360 they're literally the last team mm -hmm. in this tournament are the shortest team, and they still beat Purdue. Go back to Mr. Painter. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, this this sums it up even better. Uh, whenever you see somebody get into these halls, and that you look, oh my God, look at all these this win total. At least, and well, they didn't win a title, but they got at least took their team to a Final Four. 
Mm-hmm. Hader hasn't done that. Yeah, like so let's just let's just take Virginia for a second. Sure. Virginia has lost a double digit seeds in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost in a 16 seed in 2018. The first team ever. Congratulations, Purdue. You joined Virginia. Uh, and then they've lost to two 14 seeds now, right? But they have a national title in there. But that changes everything. So even if it gets to a final four, right? It's still, yeah, but you, you, you lost here, you lost there, you lost there. You've underachieved in, from what I could tell, seven tournaments under his watch. Mm-hmm. He has to do, I think, a lot a lot more than just get to the final four at this point. He's got to get there a few times because he's got a lot of stink to walk, to wash off. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. So, I mean, he's an elevator down for either the College Basketball Hall of Fame or the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. I don't see how we can't be. Makes sense. Yeah. 100% makes sense. Uh, question before we go into your your last section. Uh, my answer for this is no, so I'll tell that right, right, right now is, but do you think that American perform or any performance on in the WBC should have any relevancy to the to the Hall of Fame? At the moment, the answer is no. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, basically, they they that's not what they do. So there's no reason to start now. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. It, it's unless they figure out a way so it doesn't look like a glorified preseason tournament to a lot of American folks. I don't think it's going to matter. Okay. Because I think it was Brandon Nemo who uh, said, like, uh, when asked why he wasn't participating, he said, well, you know, nothing I would do here is going to help me get help me get into the Hall of Fame. I might be paraphrasing and I might even have the wrong player, but it was an American player who said that. So, yeah, it just made me think of it. You know, you know, it is every time you hear the words Hall of Fame, our ears go. Yeah. And I mean, and Edwin Diaz got injured in a celebration and he's out for the year and. Jose Altuve got hit in the hand with a pitch yesterday by Daniel Bard, um, which seems familiar as a Red Sox fan, uh, Daniel Bard hitting Jose Altuve with a pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, so he broke his hand and he's going to be out for a little bit. So there's going to be some backlash probably from teams about this. Um, But yeah, I think for right now, the answer is no. Okay. Not fair enough. Uh, So we close off as always with Evan's good, bad, and ugly of sports. Thank you. Thank you, Ennio Maricone. Um <laughs> so, uh, but we're gonna start with the bad this week just because it's kind of ties in with what you're doing. And going back to an idea that had been brought up before of just you know separating out the major conferences and letting them have their own basketball tournament and have the minor conferences have their basketball tournament. Uh, college basketball has never been more exciting than it is right now. I know that we have uh, the big teams that you're used to, but maybe the, the eighties. And again, I was young in the eighties, but I remember Georgetown and St. John's and Syracuse and all those big East ones battle it out. I was mm-hmm. a boss college fan. So we got our asses kicked, but regardless uh, those were those were fun times, and you knew everybody and everything along those lines. But the, and so maybe it made a bigger difference when Georgetown almost lost in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. But right now, college basketball is as egalitarian as it's ever been. Right now, and the thing is, all these schools, for example, let's just take uh, 
Arizona and Virginia, right? They both lost guys who were sophomores last year to the first six picks in the draft. And then those guys who would have helped them had they stuck around longer here. So we have a whole bunch of big schools who have one or two and done players Mm -hmm. up against squads that with the transfer window, you can be a fifth year senior. You can play four years somewhere Mm -hmm. by a fifth year as a grad student and keep going. Like uh, the guys at Fairleigh Dickinson, two of them played together in division two and transferred over this year when their coach came to be the new coach and it fairly Dickinson. Like it's, it's talent versus versus consistency is where we're at this point. I think we're going to see more and more upsets in this tournament going forward. Oh, when I agree. The consistency ends up winning out. I mean, we've already seen a 15 seed get to the second round and we're filming this on Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. we don't know what's happened with the second half of the round of 32 or the second round, whatever they call it. They need a better name for the, the round of 32. Um, but so Princeton's already made it through, but there's no school more consistent uh, in the way they play basketball. How about this? Princeton. How about this? If you got the sweet 16, how about the legal 32? <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm actually, that's, that's all inspired for off the cuff. I don't know how I would, I would do with the marketing teams, but I, 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 I Right. Well, I, I I had to respond to your wife's gauntlet of, of yeah, that, that was that was one of your best ones. I appreciate that. Good job. Thank you. Um, thought of it. You know, but but this just it shows you like it's it's dumb. The best part of this, the only two sports that make any money for the NCAA mm-hmm. are football and men's basketball. Yep, that's it. And men's basketball nobody cares about until like a month ago. Is to start getting to the end of the conference season, into the conference tournaments, and into this and into the NCAA tournament. It matters for like six weeks. I'm sorry, the the warm American University beat Georgetown for the first time since 1980, whatever. And outside of American University, nobody cared back in November. Literally, nobody cared. Right? Uh, it's it only matters for six weeks, but this is why it matters. And the whole if you go to a big conference grouping, which the people are talking about, it's going to completely destroy everything. Oh, and just by the way, most of these big conferences aren't doing that well. Thank God UCLA played Northwestern in the Big Ten yesterday. Because otherwise, the the oh, sorry, their future Big Ten rivals, Northwestern. Otherwise, the Pac-12 would be out entirely. It's just that all these big conferences just don't have the teams anymore. So it's completely wide open. I think Houston's going to win the whole thing, in my opinion. And they got their butts scared twice at this point. Um, So we'll see what goes forward. But yeah, just the idea of the big conferences splitting off and doing their own thing is a bad idea. And this is just proving it. Well, we know why they're doing it. Or why they're voting it. Yeah, same same reason. It's it's no different than the Super League. Oh, 100%. It is a Super League. No different. Yeah, and the Super League only got floated when a whole bunch of American businessmen bought a whole bunch of European soccer teams. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very strange because like Europe is much more socialist, but their sports leagues are very capitalist. America is much more capitalist, and our sports leagues are much more socialist, except for baseball. Uh, in some ways, yeah. yes. In some ways, no. But yes, we have salary caps. We have redistribution sure. of wealth to teams. Okay, people over the cap. 
Okay, but here's here's some way. No, like in Europe, for example, the only reason why women's basketball was is able to pay the, like a, the Turkish league or the Russian league or the French or the, why they're paying more is because they're subsidized by the government. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but, really, so I'm just I'm just showing in some ways. Yes, yeah, so, so no offense to women's Turkish uh, women's Turkish basketball. Does that have a major effect on the sports view of? Europe, Europe only cares about one thing, basically. No, I know, I know that, but uh, but it was just like one example where. I, I, understand, yeah. I understood, but I yeah. mean, we but no, overall, uh, yeah, I I would agree with that, and it's also too where you've got indentured servitude. Well, well, now they can at least make money off their likeness. Right. Yeah. But that that that's a very it's only a recent change. So, all right. So let let me go to the uh, the bat the ugly here. Mm -hmm. Um. What can I say about the U.S. men's national team coaching situation that hasn't been said about Afghanistan? Uh, so everything we learn about the Greg Berhalter, Claudio Reyna fighting thing that's been going on just makes everybody look pettier and pettier and pettier. Reyna has gone from being one of the greatest players in American sports history. And one of the people we think of most fondly back from 90, 94, 98 teams. Like he was the adult on that 98 team where John Harks was sleeping with his teammates, you know, wives uh, to now being like the ultimate soccer mom. Like my son didn't play in a game. And because he didn't play in a game, I'm going to let all the dirty laundry I know out, which I'm not sure how this helps Gio Reyna in any way shape or form but we have the text message he sent back and forth um saying our entire family is disgusted angry and done with you guys don't expect nice comments from any of our family about u.s soccer i'm being transparent to you not like the political clown show of the federation like just his son sat for a world cup game one mm -hmm. going scorched earth over one world cup game now granted Greg Berhalter doesn't come out like a band of roses or either. Taking the situation that he had with his wife aside when they were in college, which apparently, again, I'm not condoning anything. He's not condoning it either. They went through counseling. They worked through it. It's been, they've been married for 30 plus years with no other incidents and everything seems to be fine, right? Uh, but like su being super immature, telling the kid like, hey, by the way, you're not going to play because I don't like the way like you're not mature enough to handle this. It turns out he was probably right, but that's not the way to handle it either. You know what I mean? Like telling someone up front and just like killing their confidence for everything. Just that's not the way to handle it either. And Greg Berhalter is on record saying he's not my favorite coach. Mm -hmm. but he doesn't deserve the crap show they're going through. But here's the thing. While all this is going on, we don't currently have a coach. This weekend is the uh, is the international break. This upcoming weekend is the international break in soccer. Because they're qualifying matches for the European Championships. So all the European teams are starting their qualifying campaigns for Europe. A lot of teams have stuff off. So the U.S. is going to be playing a game. I'm trying, I don't remember who it's against. Uh, but there's no coach. We don't have a permanent coach. Oh, and by the way, the person who made that decision to hire the coach also doesn't exist. And the person who makes the decision to hire the person who would hire the coach also doesn't exist. And there's no urgency to get any of this crap done. The World Cup is coming up in three and a half years at this point, mm -hmm. right? We're hosting it. 
Don't you want to have somebody in charge? You know what the heck they're doing, and they're not co-hosting. Co-hosting. We are we are co-hosting. That is true. Uh, by the way, on the plus side, they did officially determine that they are going to do 104 games as opposed to just 80, which was one of the dumbest ideas of all time. Where they're going to have 16 groups of three, so Team A plays Team B, Team B plays Team C, and then A and C play, and they don't need to. The one can just they can just tie if they need to, and not even do anything. So it's going to be, so it's going to be groups of four then. The groups of four. Okay, I yeah. like it. They're going to do groups of four, so top two from each cat group will category will qualify. And then the top eight of the next third place teams. Third. So they'll be they'll go from forty-eight to thirty-two by eliminating last place teams and the worst four third place teams, which yeah. is fine. Um but uh yeah, they we don't have anyone in charge. There's literally no one in charge. And the, you know when they're meeting to have, apparently make that decision? I guess uh, not for a while. They're meeting to apparently make the decision to hire the person who can hire the person who can hire the person in June. Why is there no sense of urgency here? I have no fucking clue. Like we're on the precipice of the literal, literally everyone will be able to watch these games when they're overseas. People can't watch them live. They can't take them off, whatever. They're literally going to be in everyone's backyard, except here in Chicago, because our outgoing mayor uh, uh, decided she didn't want them here. That's a whole other story. Um, but like, uh, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me, but. Yeah, no, Lori Lightfoot is it has the incredible ability to have all Republicans and all Democrats hate her at the same time. It's amazing what she did in a mere four years. Um, there you go. So, That's the unifying presence your country has needed for a long time. 100%. Everyone hates Lori Lightfoot. Um, so unfortunately, it looks like they're about to uh, elect somebody who I think is going to be very bad for the city, but just because he's not Lori Lightfoot, but we'll see. Um, and the guy he's running against is like 33 years old and is not as good a speaker as he needs to be to become mayor at 33 years old. Um, so, uh, yeah, but this whole thing is a complete and utter mess. They need to get on this. The, the coach we need is available. He is available now. Right. Although there was something that, uh, what's his name? Um, French. Oh my God. His name just went on my head. French, uh, Thierry Henry. Turned down the opportunity to coach a women's national team in France. And the rumor was that he'd be because he wanted to coach the U.S. national team. Which would be interesting. Uh, but I want Jesse Marsh. He was mm -hmm. a coach of Leeds. He hasn't been rehired yet. I think he's waiting for the opportunity. He's, yeah. brought, he's brought a team. The only American coach ever to bring a team. The Champions League quarterfinals. He's available. Get him, but we can't have anyone can make the decision. I, I that I don't know. Uh, there's no logical reason I can think of why that would happen, especially in a World Cup hosting cycle. You know, and I'm trying to think like when we had our issues here at Hockey Canada, and uh, someone had to sort of like uh, get the boot justifiably. That person was replaced pretty damn quick. Was there, it Pierre? Was, there, there, hmm? What's that? Was it Pierre? It was not Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> <laughs> it was not your Well, he was asked, but he wouldn't leave the bench. Thank you. Thank you. Also, also Scotty Pippen was asked. He wouldn't leave the bench. <laughs> but he wouldn't leave the bench. Yeah, we could go on and on with that, with that one, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, so, Roberto Duran was asked, but he couldn't answer the bell. Oh. Wow. Man. 
I need to get you in the morning when you're drinking your green wine or whatever that uh, is. I'll I'll ask right now. Honey, what was that green thing? What was in that? Kale and strawberries. Kale and strawberries. I had a smoothie. So it was kale, strawberries, and yogurt. yogurt. My wife making a rare audio appearance on the Hall of Fame show. The the, the true brains behind our operation. It so, sure as hell isn't me. <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's let's just get out of here with the good. Okay. Uh, I want to praise somebody who I think will should be when she is eligible a first ballot inductee into our U.S. Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That's Mika- Michaela Schifrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, who won her 21st record, 21st Grand Slalom title uh, on Sunday. Um, uh, so with the most uh, giant slalom victories in the history of the sport, uh, she had been tied with uh, Renny Schneider, the legendary Swiss skier who had 20, uh, but she's won seven of the last eight events and took the giant slalom title last month. Uh, the By the way, the oh, overall record. What? Well, she's on fire. I mean, like 100%. that's like one of the one of the, and I was reading a bit about that too. Oh, that's one of the greatest seasons uh, ever. And Remy Schneider, uh, for a lot of people who don't know, like that is that's that's rarefied air. Just how 100%. good she was. You probably hundred percent. It was her hundred and thirty eighth World Cup podium as well as winning that, which moved her ahead of the world record previously held by Lindsey Vaughn of one hundred thirty seven. Mm-hmm. So there's basically the only record she can aim for at this point. The by the way, the most record for uh, for most giant solemn wins was Ingemar Stenmark and the men's side won 46 of them in the 70s another, and 80s. Another massive name. Yeah. Really um, yeah. But yeah, she has uh, she has the record for most grand giant solemn wins. She has the record for most podiums. She also has a record for most career wins in women's skiing at 88. Mm-hmm. So she's extending her own record. She's had that for a while. There's nothing she hasn't done. Uh, and this is one of her best seasons ever, obviously. It's actually not. It's She has two points more. And there's a complex rating system in skiing. She got, it's her best by two points, but she had 31 races this year. When she broke her previous record, she only had 26 races. So I'd say the other one is probably slightly better. Um, but she's at the absolute utter top of her game. Uh, she... As someone who did ski race, and I'm not going to pretend I was anywhere close to as good as I wouldn't have been on the same mountain as Michaela Schifrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, she's only 28 years old. She can do this for another three, four years. And the early 30s, your knees just aren't the same. They just aren't <laughs> from skiing. Uh, but just, it's absolutely insane how good she is. Uh, and the best in the world at her sport maybe ever i mean you can make arguments because of the way things were back in the day with fewer events and different things or whatever she's in that conversation there are very few people who are in that conversation who are currently going she's a hundred percent in that conversation uh on the mount rushmore of women's skiing if there is such a thing uh and just congratulations to and continued success to one of the greatest athletes this country's ever produced all right. Love it. That's a great way to end. Uh, so just promote a couple things here again. We'll uh, vote now. www.notinhalloffame.com forward slash USA for the USA athletes of uh, or the, the greatest American athletes really ever. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else like it. Correct. We looked. Yeah. 
Yes, we looked. And we trademarked. <laughs> yes, we did. The closest they, the closest they came was the United States Astronauts Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So closest they came with. Now, yes, uh, but I don't think Buzz Aldrin will qualify for this one. Probably not. Moonwalking is an actual sport, but then somebody would give it to Michael Jackson, even though technically he never walked on the moon. Hmm, that's a flaw. But anyway. But did Buzz Aldrin never moonwalk on the moon? He's more bounced. Yeah, I guess so. There's that too. He moon bounced. Wait, but Michael Jackson's been lying this whole time. Broad. Yeah. That's the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah, I, I just had to joke. I let slide. <laughs> and I came to mind. <laughs> uh, ah. yeah, he's been lying. So he's, he's been lying in state. So um, anyway. Oh, wow. Never mind. Let's get out of here before I get canceled. There you go. So. That's usually supposed to be me who does that. Uh, now that I'm back from a bit of a hiatus, so shows have been recorded or in the can and will be coming out soon. Uh, we just recorded another episode of How the Hell Did This Go Number One, where we looked at Harper Valley PTA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. the most interesting thing is definitely, actually- definitely the definitely the best uh, song rock song about local government. I yeah sure. <laughs> There's actually a sequel to that, believe it or not. Hmm. Yeah, where she returns back to the, but now she's like one of the one of the, now she's really upset that the PTA is not doing enough to stop all the smoking and philandering of the kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That did that did as well as you think it did. Yeah, it's like convoy convoy two or Caddyshack two or. Well, look, think of convoy two only. They're they're working with the cops. Oh. Or Caddyshack two, and then the good guys are the actual country club people. So even worse. Pigpen, this is the rubber duck. We got Smokies on our side. We gotta help them uh, track down this fugitive and. Uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely uh that that's it that's about as yeah i i can't put it better than that uh also actually this is now already on the youtube channel uh vinny's made another case for and vinny vinny makes a hall of fame case for and it's perfect timing uh because he looked at max zaslavsky and who uh oh, okay. is, is a veteran candidate for the basketball hall of fame and somebody who a lot of you are bit, clearly clearly are big fans of because he's got one of the highest uh vote percentages of anyone on mountain hall of fame so uh yeah that's a we talked about him a few months ago yeah something yeah. like that yeah months ago. Uh, uh, yeah that that's a, that's a case i will i hear a hundred percent of the time yeah that, that's uh that seems like a massive oversight to me because there's something you're like oh yeah that guy's probably a hall of famer i feel like he's a massive oversight for the basketball Huge. hall of fame particularly with the way particularly the way their their eligibility requirements are and like who gets in and who doesn't like he's significantly better than a whole bunch of people already in Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we look at that one. And so that was a, another good show that's already up on the YouTube channel. Uh, and tomorrow night, I'm finally going to get back to uh, the the football, the retro football review, where All Paul right. and I were going to look at Super Bowl three. Don't tell me who wins. But I hear it's pretty important. I, I, I know that Joe Namath has promised something. I don't know whether it was to me or Susie Kobler. I got to look that up. But uh well, he he promised something. He only wanted to do something with Susie Kobler. Oh, well, that's Kobler. true. Yes, no, he guaranteed something. Yeah, he, he did. He guaranteed that he would be the uh, the last uh, quarterback sunbathing with a fur coat. 
Ah, I mean, he's no Johnny Unitas. Then, oh, that's a haircut you could set your watch to. Uh, and that'll be the last Simpsons reference of the day. So with that, wherever you are, wherever you may be, stay safe, everybody. Take care, guys.